Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fisk. Got a bunch to dive into this episode. Uh, sounds like Penn State is eyeing up a new athletic director, something that could be done very soon, according to reports. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit. Got some recruiting notes, a transfer portal popped up, um, and our five-star mailbag later on in the episode. But we begin with Penn State's fourth recruiting pickup of the month of April. And it's number 11 for the 2023 recruiting class. St. Thomas Aquinas defensive back Conrad Hussey, uh, safety prospect, Sean, number 47 in the positional rankings by 24-7 Sports. Um, this is an interesting one. Developed fast. He was on campus a couple weeks ago. And I think that, that you had dropped a, a note on the board uh, yesterday morning. The commitment came a bit later, uh, but this one got going in a hurry. Got going fast. Uh, very impressed with his visit when he came up with some teammates a couple of weeks ago. I believe that was April 8th that he was up. So to turn it around that quickly kind of says something about the, the way that he felt. Really interesting situation here because when you re recruit St. Thomas Aquinas, which is one of the top talent producers in the country, if not the top talent producer in the country, it's very interesting because Hussey is a guy who played in a crowded secondary. Uh, a couple of guys went D1 out of that secondary last year. So you're not going to get the full-time reps that you get. And it's kind of like uh, recruiting an IMG, recruiting St. Francis, something like that. Some of these guys are really good players, but also not full-time. I, I don't want to say full-time starters, but full-time players uh, when they get out there. Hussey checks a lot of boxes in terms of athleticism. He just ran a, a laser time 10-9 to start his track season this year, which that means that speed is pretty legit. Uh, six foot 190 um, is what he came in at. So uh, I don't want to call him a bigger safety, but, a, you know, he's a safety with a, a terrific uh, athletic package to put together, um, can hit, can cover, can do a lot of things. I'm excited to see where he stands as he plays his senior year at St. Thomas Aquinas, um, you know, as a full-time player, as one of those guys that they sort of hang their hats on because, that's a school that's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of talent hanging around there. I know his teammate, King Mack, is also highly interested in Penn State as well, uh, his defensive backfield mate uh, there at, at Aquinas. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a position or a guy that can certainly rise up over the next few months and into the fall um, where he'll get to uh, showcase his talents maybe on a wider spectrum. Yeah, if, if you're balling out for St. Thomas Aquinas, you're a pretty darn good player. And, and a state championship run last year, he had four interceptions, a return to block field goal for a touchdown. But it was really last spring, Sean, during the spring ball, which they the, a huge deal down in South Florida, not really up here in Pennsylvania or the north, but spring ball, it's a good chance for some of those rising sophomores, rising juniors to get on the radar. He took advantage of that little seven-on-seven -seven action last year as well. Penn State was one of the programs that by the time he got through last spring and finished his sophomore year, he was already on that radar. And then he really validated it 
it last season going out and having a highly productive season, a versatile component of that defensive secondary. And, and, and Sean, I think when you look at this pickup, uh, you've got some defensive traction now building for this 2023 Penn State class. And we'll get to the Jameel Lyons a little bit more in a moment because he came on board not too long ago as an edge rusher. Um, you've obviously got Lamont Payne, uh, another a defensive back slotted at a cornerback at 24-7 sports assessment. Sean, when you look at this addition with Hussey and kind of examine how he fits in moving forward, uh, you have to mention J1 Sider uh, going to pop his head up in any recruitment that involves that region. Yeah, I mean, Sider, as as well known as anybody in that area, especially at, at St. Thomas Aquinas, has been recruiting it for years. Um, so I think it's a situation, you know, uh, for, for – it was it was really I don't want to say a bad time to have Jaywan Sider on uh, your staff, but going through the pandemic, not being able to get down there every couple of months, do the evaluation period, do the off season visits and things like that, really hurt Penn State. And, and on, the, on the flip side, you couldn't get these guys up to campus. His relationships are so good; he can walk into any school down there and just be welcomed. And I think you're starting to see them get a little bit more traction. I, I hesitate to put Marcus Stokes in that same category. Penn State now, of course, has a couple of guys from Florida in this class with Stokes from Jacksonville. But uh, anywhere in South Florida, Jay Wansider has been he's been the man for a long, long time. He's I think he's going to continue to uh, reap those uh, relationships. And, and, you know, with Penn State, they held off Florida. They held off Florida State to keep him on staff. And there's a reason he's there. Um, you know, I think you're going to see Penn State uh, bring up a bunch of guys this summer um, that have connections, and that's all over the state, uh, you know, down in Florida for official visits and things like that. So Sider's going to keep going, and and it was unfortunate. He started off uh, on a pretty good note bringing in some guys from Florida. They haven't all panned out, obviously, but, uh, you know, I think that the, they'll continue to get guys up, and and all it took was one visit for Conrad Hussey, and I would not be surprised if there were more guys in that boat this cycle. Yeah, some Florida buzz here in April between what Zane Durant was doing on the practice field, picking up a quarterback commit from down there. And by the way, Cam Miller, uh, Jacksonville area cornerback prospect, going to be uh, showing up on campus here in the next uh, couple of months and getting his career started as a member of that 2022 freshman class. Uh, Sean, on Friday, Jamil Lyons announced his decision. This is one that was projected to go Penn State's sorry, way on the show. Get into that, they have 84 offers out in Florida. How hilarious is that? I mean, just 84. Yeah. I mean, th this is Florida, so it's yes. you know they do a lot of fishing down there. So it's it's throwing out guys that you're not going to have a chance with, throwing out guys that you're probably not going to give a chance to, you know, connections and building and things like that. But 84 uh, listed scholarship offers uh, for, for for Penn State in this 2023 class. I think that's probably only going to grow in 2024. But I just I found that funny. They've put out we we've got th we've got them down for 307 uh total offers so 84 of those 307 coming from florida it's just it, it's amazing i mean recruiting is very different than it used to be obviously but that's uh it's pretty amazing you can't win if you don't play. And by the way, Andrew Ivins, who does a great job covering uh, out of Florida, the recruiting scene down there for 24-7 sports as a, as a national analyst, um, broke down the game that Hussey's going to bring to Happy Valley next year. Uh, Scouting report up on lines247.com. 11 commits, as I said, number four nationally right now um, in the 24-7 sports composite. And this nice little run in April, which Andrew Rappelier got going in the first couple of days, flipping his commitment from Michigan. Stokes came on board as the quarterback commit. And now you've got Lions on board on Friday. This is an in-state pickup out of Philadelphia, as we discussed. 
priority position, edge rusher. He's evaluated as a four-star prospect on 24-7 sports. Uh, what do you think about this addition and getting it done ahead of that initial August decision date that Lions had explained earlier in the process? Yeah, that was one they were willing to wait out for until August, but uh, he came up last week and decided to end it then. So you'll take that, of course, anytime you can get it. Lions is a very interesting case because this was a guy that uh, they offered basically right after camp, I believe it was, uh, last summer. Came in, tested extremely well, was great with one-on-ones. He's got some explosion. Um, he's a big guy. I mean, he's, he's 6'4 plus, uh, upwards 250. I think 255 is what we have him listed at now on 24-7. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot to work with here. Again, still part of my mind thinks that he's going to end up on the interior just because he is so big um, and he's got advanced features, things like that. But uh, for now they like him on the edge. He's got explosive, uh, you know, pass rushing ability, very raw in terms of his pass rush moves and things like that. But they'll, they'll get him in there. Wouldn't surprise me if he's a red shirt guy as he continues to come together. This was one where we had talked about several times uh, his academic situation had to improve and to his credit, he's come along and done that. And, uh, you know, Penn State's really stuck with him the entire time. So I think that's something that resonated with him as he made that decision last week. Uh, good pickup for Penn State. This is a guy that we had as a, a three-star prospect. And then after the season last year, um, you know, Doan and the national team thought he was a four-star kid. Um, the athletic numbers line up and, and, and there's a lot going for Jameel Lyons right now. Still a raw prospect, which you would expect, uh, you know, as a pass rusher coming out of, uh, of Philadelphia. But Penn State has had some luck with those guys uh, in the in the you know, I guess in the last decade. It seems uh seems like it's a long time ago since Deion Barnes came through, and now he's your GA that's uh you know pulling those strings and things like that. So um, cool to see Jamil Lyons join the class a little bit sooner than expected, um, but uh, a big pickup nonetheless. And that defensive side, as you mentioned, that defensive side of this class is slowly starting to catch up to the offense. Uh, and he actually told Brian Doan, been to campus so many times, he's lost track of that number and, and he'll be continuing to get here um, continuously. I, you'd hope at, at, in carpooling from Philadelphia, they've done a good job of getting these guys to come together um, from different classes the last couple of cycles. You've seen that payoff with some commitment, some signees. Uh, it's a place where Penn State always wants to have that presence. And Jamil Lyons, the latest out of Philadelphia to announce his decision. I wanted to note before we moved on, Sean, in the case of Lyons, Stokes, and Hussey, all of them were on campus here in April. Lions, the familiarity was there. He's he's in the state, but you had a couple guys from Florida. These were the visits that weren't happening at all the last couple cycles, and you're seeing them contribute towards class construction. Remember last year, didn't uh, get to see campus visits until June 1st. Yeah, that's pretty crazy when you think about uh, how they were able to build that 2022 class. But uh, yeah, in 2023, you're starting to see, you know, some of these guys have popped up at times. Uh, Marcus Stokes was not even on the radar at the new year. And then he went to San Antonio for the combine. Mike Yersich went to see him in, in January, visit at the end of January. And all of a sudden he's in the class in April. Um, so you're starting to see some of these guys that whose names popped up in the late fall, um, or early in the winter, and they continue to, um, you know, sort of. Uh, pay, pay dividends for those early visits. A guy like that, uh, Dakari Nelson, linebacker, safety, possibly linebacker. He's a big kid. He's 6'3", yeah. 195 as, as, a, uh, as a rising high school senior. So remains to be seen if he's a potential field linebacker or something for Penn State. But Penn State got him on campus. He, he came on his own. I think he watched uh, – 
and and these all run together to me for the it was one of those November games. So it was a, was it the Rutgers game, the Illinois game? Not a hundred percent sure which one was, but whatever. It, it wasn't was, Illinois. It was it wasn't Illinois. That it was wasn't October. Illinois. It was right, yeah. Well, he was on. He was in November. Yep. Credit credit him <laughs> for whichever game he came to late in the season last year because I knew I believe it was gloomy at that point. Uh, but he he made it up. Penn State's in his top six right now, slated to get an official visit in June, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Is these guys are starting to set up those official visits. A lot of these out of region guy is going to come in uh middle of june before that june dead june to july dead period and as we saw last year that's that's where the foundation of last year's uh summer run was uh was was established yeah and nelson a top 200 overall talent in the composite rankings for this 2023 cycle the other schools that he says are still under consideration he referred to these six as his finalists along with penn state it's auburn clemson kentucky oregon and tennessee uh, and this is a guy, as you said, six foot three, pushing six three, pushing two hundred pounds. Still a year ahead of high school. It's hard not to say safety trending linebacker with, with a prospect like this, but uh, a lot of range. Uh, and you know, obviously, Penn State um, has has gotten their message across because you see a guy coming up from Alabama, and I know they got Harrison Wallace a couple cycles ago, and, and he looks like he could be a player for them. But to see uh, you know a, a player pop up on his own dime and then make it a point when he's got a lot of interest down there in the Southeast to get back to happy Valley for an official visit during this early window. Hey, it's a good sign. And and that popped up, I think just a, a couple hours after they picked up a safety commitment yesterday. So, uh, you know, s- some news on the, uh, on the Poindexter front, I suppose, uh, for the defensive backfield yesterday. The safety board is kind of all over the place. You you talk about Hussey and, and Mac down in Florida. You talk about Dakari Nelson. Cam Selden is the guy that you kind of run to as the top target. He set up an official visit for June. We had on uh, 24-7 Sports over the weekend. Uh, Amari Snowden out in Michigan is a guy that I think that, that you know, he really, really likes Penn State. So this board, while there's no obvious targets, and I feel this way about corner and safety right now, while there's no obvious uh, targets like right immediately up to Penn State in this uh, in this area still makes a lot of or there's still a lot of guys that are highly interested across the country in uh, in in playing in the defensive backfield for Penn State on the offensive side of the football guy is a big time target for plenty of programs Caden Proctor we've got him as the number one offensive tackle in 24/7 sports rankings I think he's there as well in the composite um, did not pop up on campus last week there was uh, some effort on his end to maybe get to the blue white game it didn't materialize uh, but Alan True from 24/7 Sports reporting up on lines247.com on Monday evening uh, that he will be making an official visit to Penn State. He's piecing together that official visit plan out of Iowa. A guy that the Hawkeyes would love to keep home, uh, but Penn State has done enough to put themselves in a situation to at least get to host him and impress for 48 hours and send him home with something to chew on. Yeah, I mean. It- probably a hat on the table situation here, but if you can get him out this, I mean, if it's going to be on your own dime, we thought he was going to come in for blue white weekend, probably looked at the hotel prices and said, no, thanks. I'll come back another week when you guys pay for it. Um, but uh, I think the staff is, is fine with that. Proctor number seven overall in the 24 seven sports composite number one offensive tackle nationally. So there's a, you know, there's still a bunch of guys on that board, uh, four commitments so far on the offensive line, but you look at a guy like Samson Okanlola uh, from up there in Massachusetts. He's a guy that's uh, certain, I think we'll be back on campus at some point. You, you got some wild cards. Maybe Lucas Simmons pops up on campus. And of course, Evan Link, who I would have thought would have taken a spring visit, but he hasn't not been back, uh, you know, in the last uh, in the last couple of months. I think it was January when he was last on campus. So 
Um, there's a lot, uh, a lot of names still up on that board. A lot of guys that uh, familiar names that I, I could see taking officials. And then Penn State got uh, a bunch of those interior guys or probably more interior guys from Georgia, Connor Liu, Nathan Afobi, those guys uh, up for visits in the spring as well. So there's a, there's a lot of names, even though there's four, um, four guys committed, uh, and I'm probably missing a bunch of guys right now, but even though there's four guys committed in the offensive line, Phil Troutwine continues to, to, to press that gas and get guys on campus. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, Proctor, six foot seven, 330 pounds with another high school season ahead of him. Um, I saw a little bit of, of him on the basketball court, too, from this winter. What a, what a physical force this kid is. Uh, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Iowa it would be a really tough loss out of their backyard, but they have a lot to contend with, including within the Big Ten Conference. Penn State going to try to keep their hat on the table, as you said, Sean. One other note here, you know, official visits aren't just about what's going on right now in the early window. Of course, Penn State, a big selling point for them is a pack to Beaver Stadium on game day. Um, we're already hearing uh, about official visits being made. Dalen Austin uh, plans to be in town for the whiteout, an official visit uh, from the top 20 cornerback prospect out of Long Beach Poly. Uh, Greg Biggins, who does a great job covering recruiting for the West Coast and 24-7 sports, uh, reporting that. Sean, it's an interesting one. Terry Smith uh, dabbles with a lot of different defensive backs out there in California. We can, we'll see if he can reel one in uh, maybe in this class, but uh, you know, white out to destination. And this is further proof of this because this kid is going to have a filled travel itinerary. Yeah, he's going to be very full, especially with, with USC and the, the bump that they're getting. It's, it's hard to see him getting away. I think he was... Uh, took in the Trojan spring game over the weekend, or he's at least out at uh, USC over the weekend. So that's going to be a tough one to bring a guy all the way across uh, the country. But, you know, the, we talked a little bit earlier about the defensive backfield targets being all over the place. Uh, nothing really obvious here in this uh, in this area. I'm probably forgetting a guy or two, but, uh, you know, you, you're going to look national. You've got Lamont Payne on board at corner, so why not swing big? Dalen Austin and uh, his his uh, interest level has been recept reciprocal, but at the same time, that's a long way to go. I did want to slide in one more guy uh, when talking about that offensive line because he was here this weekend. Zechariah Owens, uh, Flapjack, as you may know him from Twitter, uh, from Eagles Landing Christian in McDonough, Georgia, was at Penn State over the weekend. Very, very impressed uh, with the Nittany Lions and the, the whole thing, so I would not be shocked to see him back on campus. He, as you could probably guess, with a nickname like Flapjack, he's a Big, big boy. Uh, I'm not sure. Tackle, guard, whatever. Um, but he is a an absolutely massive human being. And just a, another on the list of, of guys that have been impressed with uh, with Phil Troutwine with, with, that have shown interest uh, on that offensive line. 
Not sure how up to date this is, but the measurements on Owen's 24-7 sports profile, 6'5 and a half, 365 for the rising high school senior. Sean, from he the recruiting trail. More than that. <laughs> well, I don't want to say too much. He may be a little bit more than 365 right now. So it'd be nice to see that number come down a little bit. But he is I was looking through photos the other day. He is just he's very, very big. That's your YouTube exclusive. He's very, very square, uh, much bigger than I am. So um, but yeah, he, he, he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the photos. There's a bunch of them up uh, on lines247.com. Uh, a couple different galleries, actually. There's There were that many prospects. There may be, need to be another gallery from all the recruits that were on campus and commits and signees and all that. It's over on lines247.com, along with plenty of coverage coming out of the Blue White Weekend. Um, Sean, shifting gears here because reports from ESPN, The Athletic, uh, earlier today on Tuesday, uh, stating that Penn State, Targeting Boston College Athletic Director Patrick Kraft, uh, ESPN's Pete Thamel uh, said expected to be finalized by the end of the week. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But, of course, we're now uh, less than two months uh, removed from Sandy Barber announcing her impending summer retirement. This is a big one. You just handed your head coach an eight-year contract. What do you think? Early indications as this name services. It, it makes sense uh, from from talking to people, uh, you know, sort of focused on the search. I, I hate to say it because, of you know, it sounds bad, but a football focused athletic director is what this program needs. I think it's what the university uh, would like. I know certain people in the university um, would like that. And, and you just signed James Franklin to a long term extension. So um, you want to get that one going. He spent two years at Boston College. A lot of people up there speak very, very highly of the job that he did in the short time at Boston College. Was previously at Temple. We have to, uh, if, if he comes on board, we have to overlook the hiring of Rod Carey at Temple. Um, but uh, it's a, it's a situation where this is a younger guy, forty-five years old, or excuse me, forty-four years old, Illinois native. I was a walk-on linebacker at Indiana. Seemed to be well liked uh, in Indiana, just based on my con short conversation with Zach Osterman at the Indy Star this morning. Um, but he's got experience all over the place. Uh, fundraiser guy that, uh, you know, I think he was involved in the temple attempt to get a stadium on campus, but I think that that's probably something that, you know, his detractors will hold against him, but I, I don't really see, I mean, that's a very tough sell, uh, for a tough group right there, but, uh, yeah, he's got, uh, he's got football experience. He's got uh, football focused experience. And I think that that, especially to the people that are listening to this podcast, we'd be pretty happy with this hire if it goes through. Yeah, guy who played Big Ten football himself. I read uh, from the Athletics article, earned three degrees as a walk-on linebacker at Indiana, so he made the most of his time on a Big Ten campus. And he got he got in uh, on the athletic department, kind of seen, I think, it with an executive role uh, with Indiana, kind of worked his way from there. When he became the AD at Temple, I had to double check this. Thirty-seven years old—that is—that is really young to be handed the keys to a Division One athletic department. Um, and and so he's still only forty-four. And so makes, this would be make, a, makes me feel good, by the way, at thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so so a forty-four-year-old getting handed the keys to now a Penn State's athletic department, obviously a different realm altogether. Um, that's still, I think, quite young to be given those responsibilities. It would say a lot about how he's viewed as a rising star in the industry um, and, and a guy that. If this happens by the end of the week, you're in a good spot right now. You've got the new president transitioning uh, into Penn State. You've got Sandy Barber leaving after really being with James Franklin within a few months of his arrival on campus. So a lot of changes happening. And this was really a, a prevalent part of that conversation last year when it felt like after every practice and after every game almost, James Franklin was asked, well, what's it going to take to make you feel like this university is committed to you? So much of that was about the vision of the leadership. And, and when you already knew the president was leaving and we were already wondering how long Sandy Barber's shelf life was going to be with Penn State moving forward, 
you know, it, it clearly James Franklin needs to be a central figure, whether people like that or not, as you come to the finish line with this process. Absolutely. And, and uh, not to say there's, there's a change or anything uh, happening with Franklin, but it's, it, I think it's gotta be that way anyway. I mean, you, you take a look and, you know, we tell people that we cover Penn state and you, of course they go right to football. And then they ask about the other sports, you know, do you cover basketball. Yeah. But, but, but football's, where it's at with Penn state. I mean, yeah, there's no question about it. I know wrestling is, is obviously, you know, the king of that sport, but when you talk about the interest all year round, it's certainly football that, that, that drives the motor here. And I think you get a football focused guy. Um, you get a guy that uh, I think uh, has been successful fundraising, getting, get him around the people that, uh, you know, have the deep pockets at Penn state. Um, and I think it, it meshes very well. Um, the funny thing is I like two people sent me a picture of him with Matt rule this morning. And that's like, Oh, here we go with the, uh, with the Matt rule connection, of course, from being a temple, um, no, probably knows Manny Diaz from temple as well. Um, so I, it, it's just funny that they, that people just want to go in that direction right away. But Hey, if you got a connection to Matt rule, Matt rule thinks a lot of you, Matt rule does carry some sway with the, with the Penn state, uh, gravitas. So we'll see if he can lean on that and, and sort of build up those funds and, and get where this, uh, this ship where everybody wants it, wants it to go. Sean, Matt, I did not even think about the Manny Diaz deal. I did not even think about that. Those two are going to have to maybe uh, grab lunch somewhere in State College uh, and, and clear the air a little bit if he comes to campus here. Um, again, that, this is uh, reportedly in the crosshairs now is Patrick Kraft, uh, currently the athletic director at Boston College. So we'll, we'll continue to follow this one. If something breaks in the next few days and when it happens, uh, you'll have coverage up at lions247.com. It'll be a conversation that's continued here on the podcast as well. Um, Sean, the transfer portal, we talked about it with spring camps wrapping up across the country including here at Penn State it's a part of the game now you're going to find guys figuring out their next move and and Cole Brevard is the latest Nittany Lion uh, to enter the transfer portal uh, came to town in 2020 he was a four-star composite prospect high three-star by 24-7 sports out of Indiana um, we've talked a lot about defensive tackle position being in a healthy spot and guys pushing forward Cole Brevard kind of lost in that shuffle and, and now he'll look for another landing spot with a lot of eligibility left to use yeah, when talking about uh, roster movement, this was an obvious candidate, unfortunately. Uh, he's been on campus for a couple of years. has played in just one game. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little surprised it didn't go better for Cole Brevard. You, you looked at his high school resume. You looked at his tape, his numbers, um, and things like that. And just uh, I, I thought he was a solid bet, like maybe not a superstar, but maybe a guy that starts for a couple of years, takes up some space in the middle, and and, and does a really good job. Um, just it didn't come together. Um, it's the unfortunate downside when you take a lot of guys at a position like that and you cultivate that depth and you iron sharpen iron the heck out of it. And what and that's kind of what happens. So um, he was running with the fours, the threes and the fours at this point. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how much. I don't want to say how much less talented he, he is than we projected because he was a top two, four, seven kid, four star kid, a lot of really good offers across the country and, and a centerpiece in that 2020 class, a leader, a great kid, uh, a lot to like about Cole Brevard coming in. I'm just curious to see which level he uh, he ends up playing the next uh, next phase of his college career. Does he go home to an Indiana or Purdue? Does he take a look at Virginia Tech maybe with uh, Brent Pry down there? And of course, I'm sure he's got other uh, connections uh, throughout the country, but Color me surprised in the big picture, just from, from covering it the last two years, not a surprise at all, but cover me surprised that the Colbert wasn't just a little bit more successful here um, because of what he, what, what we, what we thought he was coming in. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of saw a high floor situation with Cole and, and that kind of leads you to believe going to be a rotational piece at the least, and then maybe eventually kind of a veteran starter, but uh, we'll see. Brevard's going to have opportunities. I, I had no doubt about that. And I, I think, 
he's going to have three years of eligibility uh, to, to utilize on another campus. So we'll see what happens uh, with him and, and we'll see what happens in the next few days, because this is really kind of gut check time. If you're sitting on the fence on whether you want to stay or go with your current situation, it's time to have some hard discussions with coaching staffs, with your mom and dad and whoever's in that support room, because May 1st, you see that transfer portal shut down for the academic year. So if you want to be on a roster in pads at the start of August, competing for a job on the field, it's time to make that decision. Now, Sean, I don't know if we're going to see some kind of major exodus here. It doesn't seem like it for Penn State. There's maybe a few names. We're not going to blow up their spot right now. That 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 maybe makes sense to, to look elsewhere because of where they are and where they may be on the depth chart here. But uh, I think what I'm looking at is who may pop up that Penn State is going to be interested in here in the next few days because kind of that list, however that looks on May 1st when you wake up, that's the list you're working off of. You're not going to see uh, some kind of uh, major splash in the middle of July, that, uh, barring some kind of unforeseen academic circumstances. So these next few days are going to determine a lot about who you're saying goodbye to and who you may be targeting here in the immediate future. Right. And that's important to note that that May 1st, um, if you're a grad transfer, you you pretty mm -hmm. much have an opportunity to do it after that, I believe. Um, but uh, the May 1st deadline you know, you can go up until that May 1st deadline and then then you'll see what's out there. So it's not like it's a situation where, you know, if you go in or you can't take transfers after May 1st, that's the entry deadline, not the exit deadline is what I'm trying to to get across here. And it's actually pretty funny because I'm looking up and Maryland, Minnesota, Cal and Washington all have their spring games on April 30th. So that's going to be a really interesting uh, April 30th evening. Uh, yeah, you know, sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a mad dash. I, I don't know if that's by design. PJ Fleck, nothing would surprise me. I don't know if that's by design, um, but that's uh, right up against that, that window. So it'd be funny to see that. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think that you look at Penn State scholarship situation, if our math is correct, um, at 85 now, including Damian Robinson. So you're in that safe area. But, you know, it still wouldn't be a surprise to see one or two more guys. Uh, um, you know, decide to, to to move along if they want to play right away. You know, if they still want to play football at all, then, you know, you, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, part of the process right now. I, I like the May 1st deadline, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it kind of gets gives the player an opportunity to figure out uh, or a couple of weeks usually to figure out what he wants to do and if he wants to play right away. And it gives the coaching staff an ability to to sort of project their roster for the next uh, for the next season. So, I, I mean, I, I don't see a, a downside to it other than, you know, unless you go through the summer and you just realize this is not the spot, the spot I want to be. But I think that's going to be few and far between. There were some numbers from Chris Hummer. I'll let you get uh, get to those here in a second. But the transfer portal, an eye-opening situation because it's not always, you know, grass is not always greener situation on the other side. Um, it's certainly going to be, um, you know, a give and take situation. I think every coach in the country has, ex has experienced that. Penn State has, has done pretty well and you know, we'll talk about that in the draft episode later this week uh, with guys like Arnold Evacati. So we'll see what happens uh, over the next couple of days, but we'll be watching it uh, closely. And, and you know, I don't expect too much movement, but certainly, you know, the way we cover it 24-7 uh, year round, uh, every every coming and going is certainly uh, very important. Yeah, the, the, the data that Chris Hummer reported on, 59% um, of FBS scholarship players uh, that transferred in 2019, 20, and 2020, uh, ended up staying on scholarship. Uh, so four out of 10, the, the aid was gone. So we're talking about the football ramifications and how much that, that matters. Think about having 75 credits accrued in your college career and all of a sudden 
having to find a way to pay for it when that wasn't part of your plan or having a, a you know, there's a, a danger in the transfer portal. Obviously it's paid off for a lot of players, but uh, it's not something that we have a, a, no one can tell you there's a complete black or white with the transfer portal. It is almost all gray area. And, and that's just the reality right now. Um, Sean, and, and, one, and congrats to Anthony yeah. Wigan for committing to Akron this week. Uh, one of those right. guys we talked about last week, the former Nittany Lion is going to play his, I think last two seasons, I believe at, uh, at Akron for Joe Moorhead. Yeah. Joe Moorhead, yeah, never crossed paths here in Happy Valley, but uh, I'd imagine Moorhead was able to check in on Wigan a bit uh, uh, based on his Penn State experience. Um, quickly, Sean, we, we talked a lot about the blue-white game and some spring ball storylines on Sunday morning coming out of Beaver Stadium. Um, most interesting question to you, it doesn't necessarily have to be the most obvious, but both sides of the ball exiting spring camp uh, offensively, where is your head at right now in terms of just the question that, it's just kind of unavoidable for you. And that probably isn't going to be sorted through until we get to September. I mean, that, that's what the offensive line, I don't think there's any surprise there. Uh, I'm trying to convince myself that they can find eight guys to put together that, that can make it happen, especially with Hunter Norzad coming in and, you know, guys getting healthy and potentially, you know, a Bryce Effner is probably not a guy that's going to start a ton of games in his career, but he's valuable to have and valuable to, to be a sort of Swiss army knife that has played a bunch of positions for you. Um, so just wondering how that kind of comes together. I don't, I don't think there's any um, crazy, uh, crazy questions other than that. Uh, I know the five-star mailbag that we're going to get to in a second is a good question. Um, but that offensive line, I mean, it's kind of the situation that you keep going back to is, uh, you know, this offensive line, if they can't get it together, Penn state's in for another long year. And, you know, that's kind of the, 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 the linchpin in the argument for Penn state could be a 10 win team. Penn state could be a six win team. You know, that's, that, that's kind of where we find ourselves. And I think the offensive line is the easiest place to gravitate toward. I'll, I'll just go with the quarterback. How much can you optimize year six of Sean Clifford? Squeeze every ounce of potential that whatever you saw when he was 15, 16 years old, if you're James Franklin now, can you get every ounce of that on the field with Mike Yersich in year number two? And then the other side of that is, what's the threshold for you where you're willing to make some kind of a move? And and this is all just something you've got to game plan through behind the scenes. I think uh, over the course of preseason camp as you're allotting reps and you're evaluating Christian Veyu and you're seeing how those two freshman quarterbacks come along. Maybe they can close the gap on Christian. Maybe Christian can close the gap on Sean Clifford just in terms of the coach's comfort level. We know Clifford, if healthy, is going to be out there trying on the field at Purdue week one, Thursday night, taking that snap. Um, I'm just curious how much they can continue to grow that quarterback room. And is Sean Clifford's ceiling truly growing or are we going to see, and the coach is going to see other quarterbacks catching up and, and to the point where, you know, you just wonder what is the breaking point for you with Sean Clifford and could it possibly come in September if he's not getting the results on the field that you desire? I think the breaking point for some fans happened a couple of years ago. So we'll see what happens with that in uh, in the next couple of uh, of months and into the season. Uh, defensively, I know there's a ton of questions at linebacker. To me, coming out of the spring, I still have the same question I had when going in. Who's going to get to the quarterback for Penn State? Uh, you know, is it going to be Adisa Isaac? Is it going to be Damian Robinson? Thought Zariah Fisher could be the guy, but he's going to miss the season with an injury, unfortunately. Um, so who's going to come off the edge? Um, the secondary last year was was terrific, I thought. Um, but they certainly benefited from Arnold Abikiti, Jesse Lucchetta, those guys coming off the edge, getting to the quarterback. Uh, was it Manny Diaz that said a couple of weeks ago that uh, a good edge rusher will make a cornerback much better or something of that nature? Um, and that's what they have to find this this year. I know there's concerns about uh, the certain positions, especially linebacker, but who's going to be the, the guy that gets those splash plays off the edge? Because Arnold Abikiti is uh, – 
you know, it was ready-made, did a great job when he was in here for his year. Is Damian Robinson ready to do that? I don't know yet. Yeah, and then I, yeah, I think you said the, uh, the 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 best pass the best coverage is pass rush, and you know it, certainly Adiza Isaac gives you a boost in that department. We'll see what Robinson can do. Uh, to to me, we've <laughs> talked a to me we've talked a lot about that linebacker depth, and to me, is there going to be a star, a, a a genuine kind of game changer in that linebacker room? I think you know it's difficult for me to foresee Jonathan Sutherland being that guy i think you if he's steady that's great that's enough for you right now and and if, if john sutherland is steady as a year six senior making the plays when he called upon uh middle linebacker you want somebody who's going to be comfortable to start with and i think begin to find their way tyler Ells and kobe king so that i think puts a lot of the eggs in the basket of curtis jacobs who has all the intangibles and the, the skill set the athleticism um and we talked about it for years to take that next step i feel like there is a lot riding on that in, in the linebacker room because I think you have star potential in the front uh, of this defense. I think you certainly have star potential across the defensive backfield. Do you have it at linebacker right now? Because when this defense is going to operate at its uh, optimal level, uh, I don't think you can go without having uh, that kind of a caliber talent in that second level of the defense. Yeah. And does the star have a backup? Because we've seen the numbers there and it's uh, it's not pretty, but uh, I, I like Curtis Jacobs. I'm, I think I'm on record mm -hmm. as saying, I think this is the year he becomes a star. Um, be curious to see how that position switch affects him and where he's at in terms of playing in the box and how that changes things for him. But uh really like his talent, always have liked his talent. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got bigger questions at the other two positions, but uh, in terms of being a game changer, Curtis Jacobs is going to have a lot on his plate this year. I'll be interested to see if he answers that bell, but uh, again, very, very high on him, but uh, I agree with you. Sutherland could go a number of ways. Um, you want your middle guy to be solid. And uh, if you get more than that, you'll be tickled to death, I think. So, um, but uh, yeah, how much can Curtis Jacobs clean up? I think is probably the, the question to, uh, to ask here. Uh, we're going to go to a different position room with our five-star mailbag right now, uh, the running back room. Here it is. We didn't see Keziah Holmes in the spring game, but Kevon Lee and Devin Ford flashed and looked improved. For the new guys, Katron Allen had some nice runs. Nick Singleton obviously has a ton of talent. How would you predict the running back room shaking out after a disappointing 2021 that's that's a great question because it's going to be one that we repeatedly ask ourselves and we were having the same kind of conversation last year but it had a very different optimistic tone to it it certainly did um but you look at this year because i holmes banged up late in camp so uh you know missed some time with some injuries so we didn't see him on saturday uh keep on lee I, I would agree that he flashed. Um, it's going to take uh, some time to get last year out of the memory bank with Kevon Lee because uh, you, you loved him as a freshman, what he brought to the table. Did you really see that growth last year? I'm not sure. Um, so we'll see if if he does make that leap this year. Just from talking to the people in the program, you know, you, you bring up Nick Singleton, you bring up Katron Allen, but to say that Lee had a, actually a pretty good spring, pretty good offseason as well. So can he translate that into holding on to that job, holding on to the football, but holding on to that job as well. Uh, I do agree that Devin Ford flashed. I uh, can't say that I expected to see that, uh, especially in the, the two minute drill in the, in the spring game, but he looked decisive. He looked explosive and I, I'm happy to see it because I'm a big Devin Ford fan. I will say, Nick Singleton and, and Katron Allen, they're gonna be tough to hold off. And and does that mean that they're out there against Purdue taking 15, 20 carries? I don't think so. I think it's something you ease them into uh, to get ready and and make sure that they can pick up that blitz, make sure they can do a lot of the things that you know don't require 
holding on to the football, taking the football and running it uh, for a first down, for a touchdown, whatever. Those little things that, that young backs seem to take a little bit more time to uh, to get used to. So I do see them cutting into carries. I do see a situation where Kevon Lee starts the season and you know by a couple games in, the hot hand, and I, I say the hot hand because they always talk about having a hot hand. And how many times have we seen that? Not a ton since uh, sort of since Journey took over late in the 2019 season. So I don't know, man. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all uh, balances out. But I do think Kevon Lee starts the season as the starter, and those young guys will cut into that carry load. I think the last time we saw a Penn State running back go wire to wire as the lead back was Miles Sanders back in 2018. 2019 was a scramble early. Journey Brown took the torch and, and ran ran with it to the finish line. But since then, it's been you know, injuries and medical issues playing a role. It's been really hard to gauge where the momentum is and who has it in this running back room. And that's a bit of a span now. So um, I think the question for me is, is somebody going to be able to convince the coaching staff they're worth committing 15 plus carries to right off the bat from this season? Uh, or is it going to be two series for this guy, two series for the next guy, two series for a third guy and, and kind of sort through it in September, as we've seen in recent seasons and, and how that played out to me, Kevon Lee, I like how he has by accounts and, and from his own accord answered the the leadership void that was left when a guy like Noah Kane leaves the room uh, physically, mentally sounds like he's done what he's needed to do here in year three. Um, but he's got a lot to, I mean, we've seen flashes, but we've also never seen him uh, very seldomly be asked to carry the ball a bunch of times and sustain it series after series and take the punishment and answer it. And so still a lot of questions for a guy who's played quite a bit of football for Penn state. I think my forecast right now would be, you might not see a running back break 800 rushing yards over the course of the season because of how you might see the, the ball distributed, but you could see three guys get the 400 rushing yards. I, I, I it's, it's difficult for me to forecast and maybe the best case scenario or the most realistic scenario is a guy like Singleton or Allen, you know, hitting this, hitting the turbo button somewhere along the season. And, and Jay Wan Slater saying, we're riding this on hand. Maybe that guy takes over. And by the end of the season, there's a clear cut number one, but I think it's going to take a while to get to that point. And I think there may be some frustrating moments, but let's hope there's flashes early because that's what we're looking for. Last year was just a whole lot of three yard gains. And that was about it. Let, you know, if you can see this team getting some daylight early and multiple running backs being a part of that, you're happy to share the wealth. What you don't want to see happen again is sharing the wealth with a bunch of guys who are inefficient because that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. The definition of a good run last year took a hit in, uh, in, in the Penn state fans eyes. Uh, be interesting because Kevon Lee, you mentioned you never really saw him got going or get going. He, he was I just go back to that freshman year against Michigan mm -hmm. when he just pounded them a good defense. He just pounded them. And then we haven't seen that since. And that's been tough. And I know you, you had mentioned uh, you were quite vocal in the, in the bowl game about going away from him and not getting him the ball and not going back to, you know, so, you know, the, the way that he was most successful and, you know, you can hindsight all you want, but that was, uh, that was sort of tough to watch. I, it's very interesting to see how this running game is going to come together under Mike Yersich, how much uh, work they've put into it, how many changes they've made to it to, to get to the next level. But that's uh, that's certainly interesting. I will say this. Uh, you look at that group, and I know Devin Ford looked explosive, and I know Keziah Holmes has speed and things like that. I just don't think they provide the big play threat that Nick Singleton does. And does that mean something different for your offense, especially compared to last year and even compared to the latter half of 2020, uh, excuse me, the first half of 2020? Um, you, you need something 
Uh, it doesn't have to be an 80 yard run, but it does have to be a guy that can move the chains and get you 17 or 20 just on a clip or something like that. Uh, you know, where you, where you sort of break three and give your give your offense a little bit more room to breathe. I think Singleton has that. I think Catron Allen showed some nice things on Saturday. Very curious when the Catron Allen to Noah Kane, uh, freshman Noah Kane, uh, comparisons will come in because there there are some ones that are worth going but aside from being IMG kids. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it goes out. I think it's a really good question. Um, I wish I wish we had an answer, um, like a, a concrete answer. But that, as you mentioned, the first part of that schedule is really interesting because you go to Purdue, you go on the road at night on a Thursday night. You don't want to be messing around with uh, with carry rotations and things like that. And then two weeks later, you go to Auburn, which you got to assume is going to be a night game as well. Um, there is some buffer in that early schedule with Ohio, Central Michigan, and Northwestern before the bye week, but. Uh, by the time you get to October 15th uh, at Michigan, you better have your stuff in order. And uh, I think that's probably the, the the scenario that we're looking to, which is not unlike the uh, the 2019 schedule scenario. We'll see what happens at running back. Uh, a lot of competition continues, and that's a motivated bunch, as they should be. J1 Slater publicly did a lot of yelling, making sure media overheard it, I think, at some of these practice sessions, particularly pointing out their yards after contact. So, he wants to make sure this group is fueled, and I think they will be going in the summer. They should be with a couple of those freshmen coming in and doing some big things. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, I do want to note we have Daniel Gallon over at lines247.com as well starting this week. He's got some stories up. He spent last season with Penn Live covering the team. You'll hear from him uh, pop up on the podcast in the future. Uh, but we'll be back later this week. Take another look toward the NFL draft see what's going on in the recruiting world as well. Uh, for Sean Fitz, for producer Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.